Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, passion for excellence, and by Dow Automotive Systems, innovations for clean powertrain solutions. This is AutoLine Daily for Friday, March 18th, 2011, and now the news. In case you hadn't heard, a story that's all over the blogosphere and even made the New York Times involves the former auto critic of the Detroit News, Scott Burgess. He heavily criticized the Chrysler 200 in an article in the newspaper, which prompted an advertiser, reportedly a car dealer, to complain to the paper. His editors then forced Scott Burgess to take out some of the more critical parts of the story, which was still running in the online version of the paper. Scott was one of our guests on AutoLine After Hours last night, and here's a little bit of what he had to say about this incident. I officially resigned on, uh, there was a couple of days involved in the resignation. And uh, as you thought about this? No, as I turned in a resignation and then they, I talked to, with people at the paper and then talked about it again and then submitted it again on Wednesday. Um, the, uh, so they asked you not to resign? Yes. I mean, so that's why you resubmitted it? Yeah. And uh, the, first of all, resigning in public is not nearly as much fun as you could imagine. <laughs> It's very rare to see a newspaper force an editor to soften up a story based on an advertiser's complaint. That's why this has blown up into such a big story. In fact, in the middle of Out of Line After Hours last night, we even had a camera crew from Fox News Detroit come into the studio to cover what was going on. You can watch that entire show by going to the John's Journal section of our website and look for Out of Line After Hours, and I tell you, it's a really good show. Ford held a launch ceremony at its Michigan assembly plant yesterday, kicking off production of the 2012 Focus. All kinds of big wigs were there, from Mark Fields, the company's president of the Americas, to all kinds of politicians, including Rick Snyder, Michigan's new governor. Ford used to build its biggest SUVs at the plant, like the Expedition and Navigator, but now it's dedicated to the C-segment. Aside from the gasoline version of the brand new Focus, Michigan Assembly will also build the electric model plus the hybrid and plug-in hybrid versions of the C-Max minivan. Ford claims it's the first plant in the world capable of building gasoline-powered vehicles, hybrids, plug-in hybrids, and full electrics all on the same assembly line. One of the people at that Ford event yesterday was Jimmy Settles, the UAW officer who heads up the union's Ford department. He told the Detroit News the union would not target any Japanese transplants to organize if the company was crippled by the earthquake in Japan. He said they would not want to take advantage of the situation. Well, that would leave the Korean and German transplants as the likeliest targets. And my gut feel tells me Volkswagen's new plant in Tennessee is the likeliest of them all. But I also find Jimmy Settle's comment to be kind of weird for a union official. I mean, if you're not going to unionize a company when it's in trouble, doesn't that imply you know that unionizing it will hurt that company even more? Now, time for an update from Japan. The ripple effect of the country's manufacturing shutdown is being felt around the world. GM will halt production at its Shreveport, Louisiana plant starting next week due to, and this is no surprise, a part shortage. The company builds its Chevy Colorado and GMC Canyon midsize pickups at that facility. And in related news, the AFP reports Nissan is now monitoring all of its vehicles built in Japan 
for possible radioactive contamination. It will continue testing until it's confident none of its cars are radioactive, but it did not say what it would do if any of them proved to be radioactive. Yesterday, GM named Carl Friedrich Straka, the CEO of Opel and Vauxhall. He replaces Nick Riley, who will remain as the head of GM's European operations and will be nominated to chair the Opel Supervisory Board. Straka has been with GM for 32 years and led the global engineering turnaround over the last year and a half. John Calabrese will take over Straka's position. He's currently the executive director of Global Vehicle Engineering. The Detroit News reports the company is also shuffling positions in product development. GM has made a number of management changes recently, and now some analysts are becoming concerned there's too much change going on at GM. J.D. Power released its annual vehicle dependability study, which measures problems of three-year-old vehicles. Not surprisingly, luxury makers dominate the top of the list, but the brand that came out number one overall is a bit of a shock. For the first time ever, Lincoln took the top honors, while Lexus came in at number two. Rounding out the top five are Jaguar, Porsche, and Toyota. Unfortunately for Chrysler, it dominated the bottom of the list. The Chrysler brand came in at fifth from the bottom and is followed by Dodge, Land Rover, Jeep, and Mini. Other interesting findings include the fact that the average annual improvement for the industry is slowing down because new electronic technology being added to vehicles has increased the rate of problems. Also, the study finds there is still a gap between the imports and the domestic brands. Coming up next, we'll take a look at how Nissan is getting into the commercial van segment. Introducing Bridgestone's third generation of run-flat tires with groundbreaking new Bridgestone technologies. Bridgestone run-flat tires offer improved ride comfort, lower rolling resistance, and improved wear while giving you the peace of mind and comfort you need. For 75 years, Nissan's been selling commercial vehicles like this around the globe, pretty much everywhere except the U.S. But that's about to change with the introduction of Nissan's commercial vehicle NV series. During research, Nissan found that commercial vehicle customers are the least satisfied of any segment. That's why the company decided to do an all-new commercial vehicle for the American market to meet customers' needs. And that started with the interior workspace. Nissan believes this van, its high roof model, has an advantage over its two largest competitors. At over six feet tall, I can stand up inside this van that has over 320 cubic feet of cargo space, tall enough for a hot water heater, large enough for panes of glass. A standard roof model is also available. Other improvements include dedicated mounting points on the roof and in the cargo area so you don't have to drill into the sheet metal in order to install equipment. An available center console, which can be removed, can store items including a computer or files. The rear doors open extra wide, the front seats are easier to get in and out of, and there's more foot and legroom. Under the hood, the NV comes with two choices, a 4-liter V6 that cranks out over 260 horsepower and a 5.6-liter V8 with 317 horsepower. Both are mated to a 5-speed automatic transmission. Other than breaking into a market that's dominated by Ford and GM, Nissan's biggest obstacle is making sure its dealers are prepared to sell and provide maintenance for the NV. Uh, we're, we're putting them through a pretty uh, extensive uh, certification process, not only uh, you know, the training of the sales technicians and the service people, 
but also some of the uh, requirements of the facility. Uh, we have to have the right service lifts, the right service door height uh, for that. And so uh, right now we've got 250 dealers uh, enrolled in the program who uh, are, are certified. Uh, we eventually think we'll get to about 300, which, which is about 30% of the Nissan dealer network. Nissan will also give customers the choice of adding personalized graphics to the exterior or storage equipment for the interior. Both options are free of charge. Right now, GM and Ford control 95% of this country's commercial vehicle market, so it's clear Nissan's got some work to do. But once the company expands both its dealer body and its product lineup, Nissan believes there's room in the market for another major player. From Miami, for AutoLine Daily, I'm Seamus McElroy. Thanks for that report, Seamus. The NV was designed and engineered in the United States, and production's already underway at Nissan's plant in Mississippi. The standard roof model with a V6 starts at just under $25,000, while the top trim high roof model with a V8 begins at just over $32,000. But those prices do not include destination charges. Hey, don't forget to tune in to the live webcast of Roundabout tonight at AutolineDetroit.tv. Every week, Roundabout takes an offbeat look at the automotive world. This week's guest is the one and only Jim Hall of 479-1180.2 Analytics. That's a joke. You might recognize him too as the evilest host of Outerline Daily. Tonight, the Roundabout crew debuts a new segment called Design Hall, and the topic's going to be fender vents where you're going to learn more about them than you ever wanted to know. Catch it tonight live at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time at AutolineDetroit.tv. And that's today's report on the top news in the global auto industry. Thanks for watching. We will see you on Monday.